We are here live and ready to roll another edition of the Employment Hour, the number to call. Uh, you have severance questions about uh, losing your job. Maybe you have a package in front of you, anything, uh, friend, relative, colleague. And you can email Lior anytime, uh, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. And he's also uh, nice enough to give you his private number, 416-216-5900. We always start off with the uh, the week that was. How was it, pal? Uh, no, but in terms of the week that was, as you know, John, I like to start off by talking about a few things that uh, I saw this week, things that people can learn from, uh, and then things that uh, some of our listeners right now may be going through themselves. So I want to give some of my thoughts as to uh, how to handle them. Now, the first situation uh, has to do with inducement or being recruited away from another job. And we've mm-hmm. talked about that yep. in the past. You know, so there's, this is the scenario. You work somewhere for a long time, and you're not looking to leave. Someone comes to you, makes you promises about a new job. Here's why you should join our company and, and, and leave your current company. They convince you to do that. You start a new job with high hopes. You're going to look there, work there a long time. And then something happens, it doesn't work out, you're let go. Well, wait a second, now I'm without a job, I had a secure job, you came to me. Well, what the law says is that in many of these situations, if you're recruited away from another job, if you're induced to leave a secure job, and then you're let go shortly thereafter, then when it comes time to calculating your severance, we're going to include your past service with the previous company. So that you get some security and it makes perfect sense. Well, I had a situation where that's kind of what happened, except it tells us, it reminds us why it's very careful to look at what we sign when we start a job. So this individual had worked for a company for 10 years, big company in a very senior position, making good money, not looking to leave. Uh, And but another company came through a headhunter. They found them and they, they made him this grandiose promises about why this new opportunity at this new company is a great one. He can grow with the company. He's going to work there long term. He's going to move up the food chain even more. Uh, they offered him more money. So finally he decided, okay, I'm going to take the plunge, even though I wasn't looking to leave. You made it sound so wonderful. I'm going to join the company. He did, uh, and he, he was working there. He thought everything was going well, except uh, fast forward about a year later, uh, I guess in changing direction of the company, they decide to let him go. Uh, and when they calculate severance, they calculate on the basis of a one-year employee. For sure. So, and, and obviously he's upset about that, as anyone would be, and he contacts me, and I said, well, you know what, you, you do have a good case for inducement, but I want to see what you signed a year ago when you started with this new company. So I looked at his job offer and contract of employment, and unfortunately, one of the things that that document uh, contained is a probationary clause. Effectively says in the first 90 days, uh, we can let you go at any time and pay you nothing. So you may say, well, who cares about what it says after 90 days because this guy was let go a year later. Right. Well, here's the problem. By the very existence of this probationary clause in the contract, it's going to be extremely difficult for this person to say, hey, I had these expectations of long-term and secure employment. Well, you can have those expectations because you signed a document that allows them to let you go in the first 90 days by paying you nothing. So how could you have expected long-term employment? Now, obviously, this person at the time didn't think about that. He wasn't paying attention to these things. Most people, when they sign job offer letters, contracts of employment, you look at the salary, you look at the bonus, you look at the vacation. You know, most people would look at that. But in this situation, because he signed a probationary clause, which may not be unusual in most cases, now it means that he really is not going to be able to get credit for his past service. So even though he left the secure job and now he's, uh, he's let go because he did, even though he did nothing wrong, he may still not be entitled to his full severance. So but the bottom line here is 
if you're recruited away, but even if you're not, if you start a new job, you have to be extremely careful about what you sign. Because not only are we concerned about the job now, we're concerned about what I'm going to be owed. What are the, what are the person's entitlement, entitlements going to be if the position ends? And the best time to think about that, the best time to plan for that is at the beginning of the relationship. One of the things we do quite a bit at my law firm is we review contracts of employment. We make sure that they're right, that they're appropriate. So I encourage everyone, whether you lost your job, uh, you, you have to have a copy of your contract. But even if you just start a job, give us a call. Let, let us take a look at your job offer letter. Make sure that it's appropriate. Wouldn't most jobs come with a probationary period regardless? Why would that? They might. But if, you're, if you have this leverage, you've just left a secure job. They want you so badly. One of the things you're going to say, well, no, guys, I'm not going to be subject to a probationary uh, period because you came after me. I have a job. I don't need this probationary stuff. Yeah, I'm ready to roll. Yeah, I'm ready to roll. And if, if you want me, then you're going to give me some security. Okay. So that's what he should have done. And I, I assure you, if he had thought of that, the company would have, said, would have said, fine, no problem. And now for him, that could have meant an extra 10 months of severance. Oh. So it's a big deal. Right. Now, the second situation, uh, briefly, a uh, very different situation. Uh, this individual had uh, worked for a company uh, in, a, in the manufacturing industry for some 14 years, and his job was a very repetitive job. He worked on a machine where he had to press a pedal with his foot. Uh, that's what he did. He mm-hmm. operated this machine. Now, what happens when you do the same job, the same repetitive motion for years and years? Well, unfortunately for him, he developed an injury. Uh, through the repetitive motion, it's not that uncommon. So it got so bad that he actually couldn't properly operate this machine. Uh, he even had a hard time functioning in his everyday life. Okay. Now, uh, he, he tried to tell his employer, listen, you need to help me out. Maybe you let me work on another machine. Yep. He provided doctor's notes saying, you know, this person needs to be on a different machine. Uh, unfortunately, the employer, frankly, couldn't care less. And the employer said, no, I'm not going to put you on a different machine. And, and this, this individual struggled through it for the last couple of years. Now, not surprisingly, his performance deteriorated. He wasn't able to operate the machine in the same efficiency because he had to take longer breaks, and, yep. and you know he was in a lot of pain. So what does this employer do? He fires the person <laughs> and only gives him two weeks' pay after 14 years of smart. working there. Yeah, really brilliant. smart. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So, uh, so what, what do we have here? Not only do we have a wrongful dismissal, because after 14 years, he's going to be entitled to a heck of a lot more than two weeks' pay. My God. Uh, but in addition to that, there's a human rights issue here because of the fact that the employer had a duty to accommodate uh, the, this injury. And not only did the employer not accommodate by putting him in a different machine, the employer fired him. So that's, you know, a the, big bowl of wrong. That's a, a huge bowl of wrong. Right? So that's illegal. That, that's what that is. So we actually settled this case this, uh, this week. We got the person, luckily, a very good deal, something that's going to give him the time that he needs to find another job, well in excess of a year's pay for him. Uh, and the, the nice thing is that uh, he now can hopefully take some time to heal, feel better. Yep. And uh, it was a bit of a learning lesson for that employer, too, let me tell you. It's always worth calling your employment lawyer. We'll take a uh, short break. You have phone calls. Give them to us now. Lior at employmenthour.com. And his personal number is 416-216-5900. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming up. Talk radio, AM 640. Yeah, we know you got questions. Give us a call. You can also email Lior at uh, Lior at employmenthour.com and 416-216-5900 if, uh, if you're bashful. So we're going to talk about this. Um, you know, you're cruising along, you got a good gig, you're, uh, you're getting good feedback, work's going well, you're not taking a lot of sick days, everything seems to be good, you're operating at a high level, uh, and then something happens. Yeah, and, and you know, most of the time uh, when people call me, and remember, I talk on the phone with people uh, in person and through email every single day, they've lost their jobs, 
And most of the time, it's a shock. It's a complete and utter shock. There's no uh, warning signs in most cases. I'm talking over 90% of cases. You go into work, usually it's a Friday uh, or a Monday, and you're called into a meeting and then the the hammer drops. Uh, And and most of these people are are upset and in many ways offended because they feel, wait a second, I've been doing a great job. My last review was great. You can't fire me. No, you can't fire me. And and, and it's a shock to the system. And that's, in fact, why in in many of these cases that we talk about all the time, people end up accepting severance offers that are completely inadequate because they're still in shock. And when you're in shock, you may not always make the right decisions. And I have people, they hear our show and they call me afterwards and they say, God, Leo, I heard your show. I wish I would have talked to you a week, two weeks, a month ago when I accepted my offer. I got stiffed Uh, for thousands of bucks. And I ask them, you know, know, well, why did you accept it at the time? Why didn't you call me or another employment lawyer? And say, well, you know, I wasn't thinking straight. There was such a shock. Uh, I, I just lost my job. I didn't know what to do. And they're offering me this compensation. I had to accepted because I just didn't know what else to do, couldn't deal with it. So it, it is a shock to, to, to the system for most people. And, you know, there, there's no telltale signs. If you're going to, uh, so what I tell people is this, you want to always have your ducks in a row because it could happen to you. You know, it may not, not have happened now, but uh, it, it could. So how do you have your ducks in right. a row? Well, number one is you always want to have handy copies of any contracts of employment or job offer letters that you signed. Because when it comes time, if, if you are in a situation where you lost your job, we want to review that to be able to properly assess what you wrote. So make sure you have that handy. If you don't have copies, ask the HR uh, person, ask the, the, the company for copies. Have that handy, number one. Uh, number two, you want to have a sense in advance uh, what you wrote. You want it not to be a shock. Uh, and, and, and if you plan for it and think about it in advance, you're going to know what to do when you get that severance package. So what do you do? You go to severancepaycalculator.com, do yep. that right now. Uh, spend five seconds or 10 seconds there, and they'll tell you exactly how much severance you're owed in the event that this happens. It's information you need to have. So if, God forbid, the hammer does drop and you do lose your job, and you look at that severance offer, you're going to say, wait a second, I know now, I've used the severance calculator. It said that I'm owed six months' pay. They're offered me two. Okay, I know what that means. Or they've offered me eight, and it said six, so I know what that means as well. Uh, be prepared for that as well. Now, the other thing I'll say is if, uh, in some cases, there may be a bit of warning that you may lose your job in the sense that you may be written up more, there's warnings, all of a sudden you, th- you feel that everything you're doing is wrong. In that case, what the employer, John, may actually be trying to do is build up a case for cause. What does that mean? Trying to build up a case against an individual to let them go for cause. Without of, severance. Without severance right. because of alleged misconduct. So what do we do in that situation? Well, what we do is we want to build up our own case. We want to have any documents or information, emails, materials that we have that we can get our hands on to to respond to these allegations. So if we know the employer is building up a case on the basis that you're not doing this and that, well, are you doing that? If so, what can you show that you've done that? Have your own information because if you do lose your job, you're going to be taken out of the workplace immediately. You're not going to have access to anything. Right. So you want to take the right. time while you're still there. If you think that's what the employer is doing, get that information, have it handy, because if you are let go for cause, that information is going to be invaluable. Got Elizabeth and Vaughn. Good afternoon, Elizabeth. Hi there. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good. Go ahead. Good. Um, actually, this is a question for my husband. Um, he's been with his company 15 years, and it's kind of everything's getting a little tense now. He, he does have some health conditions, and, you know, they're not very understanding of that. Now, in the event that he gets let go, laid off, fired, whatever it may right. be, and we bring a case against them, how does it work for your fees? Does, do your fees, are they covered by 
you know, if he wins his case, are they covered by the employer? Do you have to pay them out of your settlement? Do you pay them up front? Let me, so good question. Let me explain. A lot of people out there may be wondering the same thing. So first of all, the first step in, in, in pursuing any matter is first understanding whether you have a case and, and, and developing a strategy for determining how to bring that case forward. So certainly we, we don't charge for that. We feel that everyone has a right to understand what their case is, if they've been wrong, if they've been wrong, what the consequences are and what can be done about that. So that's a discussion that we're going to have with you or your husband or with, with anyone. There's no charge for that. Then you can, we can do that in person. We can do that through the phone. It, it, it's not a problem. Now, if we have that discussion and we decide, yes, your husband has been wrong, your husband does have entitlements above what he's been offered, then depending on the situation, there could be various options. And usually we present a few, including one that we don't get paid unless we're able to resolve the matter or we defer the fees. So depending on the case, depending on the person's preference, depending on what's at stake, we can usually come up with a, it's a solution that, uh, that makes sense. Listen, most of my people that I work with, my clients, are people that lost their job. By definition, they don't have a lot of money. Okay, so we understand that. And and that's our job is to make sure that people are compensated properly. So so we work with the individual. There's various options. But the starting point always is to figure out if there's uh, entitlements that your husband has. Now, could you go back on the employer in the event that everything, like you said, he has bigger entitlements. Yep. And so the case is valid. Yeah. Could you go back on the employer for those fees? In virtually every case, first of all, let me start by saying that 98, 99% of cases settle. They resolve. And by settle, I mean way out before you even consider right. going to court. And in, in virtually every settlement, and again, settlement is 98% of the cases, the employer ends up paying, if not all, then most of the legal fees as part of a settlement. Okay. Because they have to, because they're the ones that, that did something wrong, assuming, assuming there's a valid case. So yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. The answer to your question is absolutely yes. Can I have one more quick question? Yep. Quickly, yep. Okay. So if, if I, um, each time he gets called into the office or if each time he gets, you know, he, gets, he has to go in to say, hey, I need Friday off because I have to go see this physician, is this legal that he tapes that whole thing? That he what, sorry? That he records it. Well, ultimately... For his if- own safety, that's... Well, I, I don't know that, that it's necessary to go that far. What I'd be more okay. interested in is if uh, he's asking for valid time off, let's say, for medical reasons, and right. the employer is saying no, uh, then I, I, obviously there needs to be some record of the, 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 your, your husband asking what the response is. But that's really it. Ultimately, nothing else uh, is, is going to be that important. Certainly, if they pull the trigger on, on, him, on him and terminate his employment, that's going to be clear and obvious. So, no, I don't think you need to go overboard in terms of recording information. Elizabeth, take this number down, 416-216-5900. That is Lior's number. You might need that uh, possibly in the future. Give us a call. The Employment Hour, Talk Radio, AM 640. Sure, give us a call. You have employment questions, possibly about a severance package or uh, otherwise uh, employment contracts. We'll cover it all here as well. Lior at employmenthour.com. Before we move on to uh, workplace harassment, that uh, you said get a copy, uh, be safe and get a copy of your employment. Do you have to go through your boss or just go through the back and ask HR? Because some people would, feel, they don't, they'll feel intimidated to go and get a copy of their employment letter. Right? Yeah, you like, why are you asking yeah, for this? Yeah, I, right? I, I agree. And, uh, certainly you don't have to go through your boss. Most of the time you go through HR and what I say to people is just, Tell them, listen, I, I realize I didn't have a copy. I always like to have copies for my records. That, in most cases, won't uh, uh, raise any questions or any alarm bells. 
There's no reason not to do that. So I, I think in most cases, uh, you have to do that, and there's no downside. Workplace harassment, huge topic, and uh, can get a lot of trouble, a lot of hot water. First of all, what, what is considered harassment? And, you know, it's a very broad term, and usually when we talk about workplace harassment, we refer to any conduct that an objective person would consider to be unwelcome. Uh, conduct that's inappropriate and conduct that would make someone feel uncomfortable in the workplace. There's many types of uh, harassment. It could be as blatant as you know, name-calling, yelling, putting someone down, but it could be also much more subtle, such as uh, ostracizing someone uh, in the workplace or, or giving someone or an employer giving an employee unfair feedback on their work. It is a big deal, workplace harassment, because work is such an important part of a, of a person's life. We spend so much time at work. So if we are subject to harassment, it can make it extremely difficult to function, to continue working. Uh, and, and most people that are uh, you know, victims of harassment know how awful it is and how it can impact all parts of your life. And you know, the one thing to understand and remember is workplace harassment is illegal. So, uh, wow. yeah, it, it's not something that's just uncomfortable. What uh, our, uh, our legislator a few years ago made it illegal to, to have an employee subject to harassment if the employer doesn't do anything about it. If it's happening, what are the, uh, what are the employer's obligations? Well, the employer has several obligations, and it starts with implementing policies to deal with uh, workplace harassment, certainly workplace violence as well. You have to have policies that address that, what the expectations are, uh, uh, in terms of conduct towards each other and what the employer is going to do if the event, in the event that there is any issues. Uh, the employer, though, has to also follow those policies. And, and it's not enough to just have them. You have to follow them. You have to investigate immediately any allegation of harassment. In some cases, that may mean bringing someone from the outside to investigate. So if you're, if you're the owner of the company and someone's complaining about you, well, you're going to investigate it yourself or have someone else investigate. That may be inappropriate. You may, someone else may need to be brought in, uh, a neutral outside person to investigate. Uh, harassment cannot and should not be tolerated in the workplace. And the employer has to take action. If you, are, if you do find out, if you're the employer and you've investigated and you de- decide that the allegations are, are uh, correct or there's validity to them, you have to take disciplinary, uh, disciplinary action against any, anyone that was you know, guilty of harassment. You may have to remove an employee from an uncomfortable situation. But the bottom line is the employer must take action if there's allegations of harassment raised. So let me ask you this, though. Similar to, you know, uh, if, uh, uh, severance packages that are inadequate, do you find more of a harassment thing, uh, maybe not be more of a problem, uh, but not taken care of correctly with like a small mom and pop business as opposed to a big HR firm, like a big company? They, they know how to handle it, right? Yeah, and, and most big companies, that's a very fair comment, have uh, the policies and have very uh, very clear practices as to how they handle these things and who is going to handle handle them and what they're going to do about it. Now, not to say that they're still going to do it properly. In many cases, they don't. But at least they know, okay, there's a harassment allegation. Here's what we need to do. We're going to follow this course. With a very small organization, a mom-and-pop shop, or one without a sophisticated HR function, right. uh, they're going to be flying by the seat of, of their pants, and that's a problem. And the thing is about workplace harassment is oftentimes when it starts, it's minor, it can be dealt with quickly, and, and everything can be salvaged and moved on uh, properly. Um, but when you don't do anything about it, it festers, it becomes worse. The person starts uh, uh, getting uh, more, more upset about it. That's when you may have disability leaves. So, and then it could be very bad for the employee. It can be very bad and disruptive for the employer. That's why big 
uh, big employers, small employers, you have to deal with harassment right away. Is it a guy-centric thing in the workplace more often than not or no? Believe it or not, no. Really? It, it's not. O- oftentimes, uh, we, we see women either uh, you know, being guilty of harassment or not dealing uh, with harassment properly. So, no, it's not a guy thing at all. And, uh, I, I, I'm, I, you know, you may think that, but it really, really isn't. You know how they say... You know, for kids, you know, girls are, are often the meanest, right, you know, right, rather right. than boys. Well, I think some of them may play to adults as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if I look on the other side now, if um, if some an individuals think they're being harassed or subject to it, what do they do? Well, first thing the individual wants to do, kind of as we've talked about before, if you're going to lose your job, you want to document. You want to document the dates, the times who was involved in what was said, okay? It's always going to be very difficult if it's strictly a a he said, she said type of a situation. So you want to document things as much as possible. Once you have that, you have to address the situation with your employer. That's your first course of action. You have to go to the employer, you have to tell them what's happening, and you have to give the employer the opportunity to make things better. So your first course of action is not necessarily to say, I've been subject to harassment, I'm out of here. We'll talk in a second about when that is appropriate. Mm -hmm. But your first course of action is to go to the employer and say, employer, here's what's been happening. That's unacceptable. Here's what I have to document it. You need to do something. And that puts the onus on the employer to investigate and take action. I want to talk about uh, retaliation, but we'll take a uh, short break. You have calls on this subject or just uh, severance packages as well. Give us a call right now. Lior at employmenthour.com. And anytime uh, with his own phone, 416-216-5900. The Employment Hour continues right here. Talk Radio, AM 640. You can email Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com and 416-216-5900. Talking about workplace harassment. Debbie in Toronto. Hi, Debbie. Hi, how are you? Good. You got a question for Lior? Go ahead. Yes, hi. Um, I have a colleague. Um, there's just four of us on the team. And sometimes, you know, she we work very closely. There's just uh, two of us that work very closely on our team. And sometimes she won't talk to me for weeks on end. And uh, when this happens, I'll often let it go for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, and then I'll bring it up to my manager. Well, the last time I brought it up to the manager, she said to us, if we don't learn how to work well, performance review. Um, but it's not my behavior. So is that okay for her to do that? Well, you know, uh, the situation, Debbie, you're describing is what I was referring to earlier as one of those, uh, the more subtle forms of, of uh, workplace harassment. And yes, you know, ignoring someone, not talking to them, not saying hi and, you know, ostracizing them certainly is a form of workplace harassment. Now, if it's if it's her conduct, then yes, I, I, I agree with you completely. The employer does have to take some some action at that on that front. In some situations, certainly in a smaller workplace where you and her work very closely, in either in close proximity or in similar projects, it could be a very big problem, make it very uncomfortable for you. So, yeah, I, I do think that the employer has to do something. In many cases, uh, if it does become intolerable, you may be able to leave the employer employment and still get your severance, what we refer to as a constructive dismissal. Something less than that may be having a lawyer send a, a letter to the employer to give him a bit of a kick in the pants to do something. In the meantime, I would encourage you to follow up with your employer, and if you really are not getting anything anywhere with them, give me a call and I'll see if I can help you. That number, Debbie, 416-216-5900. Alex in Woodbridge, hi. Hi, how are you? Good, pal. What's up? Good. Um, situation, I started an employment like five weeks ago. Um, the boss seemed very nice, but then something happened, what he, I was accused of, and then the verbal 
abuse came out. Uh, most of the communication that I did with the work was through text. Um, and so the text came through, and they were just very verbally abusive, language that should not be spoken to to an employee. And so I just, it was, and then I was accused of something, and I proved that what I was accused of was not true. Uh, but still the, the accusations and, and verbal abuse. So I just said, I, I, I can't take this anymore. This is not what should be happening to me, so I quit. I understand. And you, you had worked there, Toto, for about four or five weeks, or so, I think you said? Yes, four or five weeks. Yeah. So here's the thing, Alex. Certainly, if you can uh, establish, number one, that you're, you're subject to, to this you know, harassment, to inappropriate conduct and, and uh, inappropriate treatment, and you quit, certainly you're allowed to quit. You don't have the legal obligation to, or, or, the, or the moral obligation to, to tolerate conduct like that. You're allowed to quit, which means the employer is going to have to pay you severance. The question, of course, becomes... Well, now, because you've worked there for five weeks, how much severance? And depending on your situation, how senior a position you had and, and your age and whether you were recruited from another job or not, this may not be a lot of severance simply because you're a short service, you know, very short service employee. But what I, I propose so we can find out more about how much severance you're owed, uh, one, you can certainly use the severance pay calculator or you can call me at the office and let's talk about the amount of severance that you're owed. What I can tell you is that, yes, this is a constructive dismissal situation. You're owed compensation. We just need to delve into how much more, how much compensation. Alex, did you keep the texts? I have. Oh, yeah. Good boy. Yeah. Good boy. <laughs> you need that. You absolutely do. I, I just, well, with the job, um, when I started the job, um, I had a cell phone, but it was 15 years old. And the employer says, oh, you have to text me every half an hour. You have to keep in touch. So I had to go and spend 300 bucks for a new cell phone so I can text. So right. I, I, I learned how to use it, and I kept everything. <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of a position was it, Alex? Senior was, position? It was, it was security. Okay. And uh, how old are you, Alex? I'm 54. Okay. Well, you know what? Even in your situation, depending on what you've signed, you may be owed as much as a couple of months of severance pay. So uh, so I, by all means, I do strongly encourage you to give me a call. Let's talk about it, and I'll do everything I can to help you. Okay. Great. Sounds Appreciate good. Alex again. 416-216-5900. Got uh, Mark in Richmond Hill. Hi, Mark. Hi. How are you, pal? What's up? Um, I was hired to work for a company uh, temporarily at the beginning, and then I was hired full-time. And uh, after uh, all total about uh, a year and three months, um, I've been offered to stay home for a bit until work comes or take a layoff. And I chose a layoff to look for another job. And uh, the only thing I got paid is my vacation pay, and I just wanted what I supposed to get paid more? Sure, let me answer that. Now, were you able to find another job? Yeah, eventually I did. How long were you off total before you found another job? Uh, probably about a month. Okay. Uh, maybe three weeks. So the, the, the answer to your question is that they owe you for that time that you were off. Uh, so if you're off for a month, just to use an example, then they owe you a month's pay. If you were off for longer, they would have had to pay you more. But because you're able to find a job after, let's say, about a month, then they owe you that amount of compensation. No question, full stop, no way around it. So uh, what I, I recommend, regardless of what that is, because it's going to be very, very easy to get that. I mean, something like that, frankly, uh, Mark is going to resolve with just a, a simple letter. Give me a call. We'll be able to send a letter and get you that compensation. I understand. Thank you very much. Mark, the number 416-216-5900. Just before we get into harassment, uh, just briefly, he said layoff. He said layoff. Yeah. What is that? Is there such a thing? Well, no, there really, there really isn't. Actually. See, nobody knows that. No, nobody knows that. And we, we've talked about it before, and it always bears repeating. Uh, and, and let me make it very clear, okay? 
in non-unionized settings. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. only talking about non-union jobs. Okay, in non-union jobs, any situation where you're not working and earning income, that is a situation that entitles you to severance. Okay, let's make it very simple. Doesn't matter if you call it layoff, termination, uh, fired. Doesn't matter when you're not working because the employer made the decision and you're not earning income, you're owed severance. There's no legal right to lay off someone temporarily unless a contract of employment explicitly gives the employer that power, and almost no contract does that. So if you're on a temporary layoff and you think or hope the employer is going to call you back, now you have two options. You can wait and hope the employer calls you back. If that's what you want to do, fine. Or you can get your severance now. So no, for his situation, the, uh, the, the caller we just had or anyone else, a layoff, a temporary layoff, does mean a termination of employment. There's no right to have you sitting at home waiting without pay, and then you're owed severance. So remember that. No such thing as layoff, not legally at least. We'll get back into more of workplace harassment. You'll want to give us a call on that topic or any others like we just had. Employment Hour on Talk Radio, AM 640. For the break and those uh, few phone calls we were talking about to workplace harassment, the question is, though, um, is it a concern that by simply complaining about the harassment, if you're receiving it, the employee could be retaliated against by the employer? That's probably the number one reason why people keep shut about it, right? Yeah, exactly. Not only that, when people call me and they're saying, Lior, I've been subject to harassment, here's what's been happening. And I told them, well, first thing you need to do is you need to talk to the HR person or to the employer. And they say, well, well no, I, I'm afraid to do that. I think that I'm going to be penalized. It's going to work against me. It's going to make my situation even worse. Well, let me start by saying, obviously, that is a concern. What I can tell you is that is illegal. It is illegal to retaliate against someone, to punish someone because they complain about workplace harassment, even if the harassment turns out to be not harassment, even if you make an allegation and can't substantiate it, there cannot be, legally speaking, any retaliation. We refer to that as reprisal. That is illegal. Uh, The Occupational Health and Safety Act specifically makes that illegal. You can't be terminated. you uh, You can't be penalized, disciplined because you raised an allegation. Now... Uh, That said, obviously, if the employer still does that, well, as long as you can establish that that's what happens, you now have an extremely good case for compensation for damages. Most employers are going to be, uh, are not going to do that. They're going to be understanding and going to be too smart to, to penalize someone because they raised an allegation. I mean, I have seen situations where the allegation of harassment was made in bad faith because one employee wanted to get another employee in trouble. Right. I don't like John, so I'm going to make a story that John is harassing me so that John gets in trouble. Well, in that situation, if that's what I've done, I should be penalized. But if an allegation is made in bad faith, it's illegal to, rep- to, to, uh, to have a reprisal to penalize the employee. So uh, I, I don't think in most cases that's actually going to be a real, real concern. But if the employer does make that awful mistake, the awful move of penalizing you, you need to call me right away and we can deal with it. 416-216-5900, by the way, is Lior's number. And to give us a call here today on air. We had a, I'm going to ask you this question, similar to the call we had uh, earlier. Uh, what can an employee do if the employer won't deal with the workplace and says, hey, you guys just go figure it out. Yeah, Duke it and, out on your own. Exactly. And, and that is ultimately where I get involved and an employment lawyer gets involved. So your first recourse is to talk to the employer because you have to give the employer the opportunity to deal with the problem. Oftentimes an employer is going to say, wait a second, you never told me there was an issue. How, how am I supposed to fix it if, even if I don't know it's a problem? So you have to give the employer that opportunity, the, the chance to make it better, just like the call that we had previously. But if the employer doesn't take that chance, doesn't do anything, or, or does something that, that, that doesn't help at all, and you're still subject to that harassment, you don't have the obligation to just you know, take it and then stay there and say, well, I've tried, I guess I have to uh, accept it and, and grin and bear it. No, that's not the case. What you can do then is you can remove yourself from the workplace. You can leave the workplace, effectively resign, 
the, the concept, of course, is constructive dismissal. Mm-hmm. When the workplace becomes poisoned such that it's not possible to continue working, the employee doesn't have to accept it. The employee can leave. And then what does that mean? That means the employer has to pay them their full amount of severance. And remember, John, severance is not a week for every year or two weeks for every year. In most cases, it's a heck of a lot more than that. So that's what an employee does. If the employee cannot get it resolved internally, the employee can leave and claim for constructive dismissal, which usually is not a complicated aspect of, of this thing. The varying degrees of harassment, though. I mean, what if it's like, I mean, obviously your boss not walking behind you every time he walks by, he gives you a tap on the butt. I mean, obviously that's, that's not good. He shouldn't be doing that. But if it's very subtle and you're not sure if it is harassment or isn't, should they go to the employer first or should they call you? Uh, you know, I think that the, the, at the end of the day, uh, if it's conduct that makes you uncomfortable, right. if it's conduct that you consider to be unwelcome and unacceptable, it's harassment, okay? And, and everyone may have a different threshold, okay, mm-hmm. as to what's harassment. I, and the type of workplace may be different. You know, what's acceptable in an office environment may be uh, different than what's acceptable on the shop floor. Uh, but you, you smile, I think you know what, you, what I'm talking about. <laughs> But <laughs> radio, oh yeah, 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 that's right. You, one time we'll tell us some stories, John. <laughs> when the mic is off, yeah, that's when the right. mic is off. But so, but generally speaking, if it makes you uncomfortable, it's harassment. Mm-hmm. You need to deal with it. I, I wouldn't spend too much saying, well, is this harassment or not? If you're even having that discussion, it's probably harassment. How common are the issues? You know, it, it's very, very interesting question because you know I've been doing this for a long time. When I was initially practicing, not not very common. Rarely would I speak to someone about. Uh, workplace harassment. I think back then, it's not that harassment wasn't common in the workplace, just people were not mindful of the fact that that's an actual issue they could do something about, that they have legal rights. But now in the age of the internet and the fact that our our government took active step to publicize the fact that workplace harassment is illegal and and to take uh, measures to try to protect employees, people now become more aware that that's a problem. Uh, and and are doing something about it. So from my perspective, I see these issues come up all the time. Literally every week I talk to three or four wow. people that are in that situation, some in very difficult, uh, you know, very stressful situations, some in more minor situations. But these are very, very common. Uh, and the problem with that is that even minor issues can easily escalate and become very serious issues if they're just left alone and not dealt with. Aaron in Milton. Hi, Aaron. Hey, how's it going today? Good. You got a question for Lior? Shoot. Yes, quick question for you. I was like, oh, about a week and a half ago from my job. Um, I was there for about four years or so. Um, I had a couple run-ins with absences that I was written up for due to things. Uh, I had a hernia surgery and I was off on modified duties. Yep. Um, about a, a week and a half ago, I sent a defect out to the customer that the, the employer said required a write-up. Yeah. Uh, now this write up they said had pushed me to the final stages of a progressive discipline structure. Yeah. Um, and I was just curious, uh, does that uh, entitle severance, or is that is that the way it is that because of the absences, uh, the random write up is in fact uh, is with cause? Sure. Let me answer that. Now, my first question to you, Aaron, is: uh, Were you part of a union? No, I wasn't. Okay. And uh, what was your job? How, what were you doing there? What was this, your title? I was an assembly line uh, worker, so just a production employee. Okay, I got it. Now, let me start by saying that cause is always very difficult to establish. You really have to show if you're the employer that what you did what, uh, in the workplace made it impossible to continue working. Now, uh, one mistake, certainly sending a, a defect out, obviously it's not a good thing, but it's certainly nowhere near cause. Depending on what else you have on the record, depending on how serious those allegations are and how, how uh, long ago they were. If it's four years ago, that's different than if they were four weeks ago. 
But unless those are very, very serious and very recent, it's not going to be caused. I, I, I suspect that if you're away or they have some issues about you being away because you had a medical condition, I can't imagine that even being worth discipline. So from, from the very brief information that you gave me, I don't see this as being a cause case. And because causes an all or nothing type of a situation, you're entitled to severance. So four okay. years in a production uh, job. And how old are you, Aaron? I'm 28. Okay, so someone in your situation between three to four months pays what should be owed. Uh, and there's no reason not to pursue that because these things usually resolve fairly quickly. So again, give me a call. Talk about, we'll talk about that in the office off air, and I'll be happy to help you. Aaron, that number, 416-216-5900. Keep that uh, in your pocket for sure. We'll take a short break. You want to give us a call, do so. And Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. More of the show coming up. Talk Radio, AM640. Tell us a little bit about, I know you mentioned it earlier in the show, but the severance calculator before we get to the phones. Yeah, so the severance calculator, we've mentioned it before. Uh, you need to know how much severance you're owed or the, or the employer. You want to know how much severance you have to pay an employee. How do you do that? Well, you can call me, I'll tell you, or you can go to severancepaycalculator.com, enter three pieces of information, how long you worked, how old you are, and the type of job that you have, and it's going to tell you right there online how much severance you're owed. Uh, it's going to also calculate that in dollars if you wanted to. Very simple, very a very neat device. The only way to know we came up with it, and uh, it's really changed uh, the the way that people look at severance and then uh, help people understand that there's uh, there's more than what uh, you you hear about. You know, when you when you talk to people, which is a week per year, which is wrong, wrong, wrong. So severancepaycalculator.com, or you can download the app on. Yeah. Uh, uh, on Android, or iPhone, or iPad. It's very, very neat, very useful. And people use that to contact me all the time. So when you get your result, there's a, little, a green button there. You press that, and you can contact me right from the website, and I'll be happy to talk to you about your and situation. And it shows you how far you're off. Yeah, right? and you can put in, okay, here's I, I was offered eight weeks' pay, and then it's going to calculate for you how far off you are. So it's you know, you're off $25,000. Last wow. week, you remember, we went through a few situations uh, that where people were off like literally tens of thousands of dollars that they were owed on top of what the employer paid them. Wow. That's what the severance calculator does, severancepaycalculator.com. Grab a quick call. Doug, up in my favorite Bob, Bob Cajun. How are you, Doug? Uh, good, good. Good. You got a question? Uh, Go ahead. To, yeah, I'm not working today, but anyway, I run a small uh, painting business, painting contractor. I have one full-time employee and one casual who works for us on his day off from his other job. Mm-hmm. Uh, tomorrow it's going to rain, and it looks like from the weather report it may rain all this week. So we probably won't be working. Right. Is that considered a layoff or is that considered just part of life, part of construction? And an excellent uh, question. Great and question. Because uh, every industry is different. So if I, in my office, if it rains tomorrow and I'm telling one of the lawyers that work for me, you're not coming in because it's raining, that would be a layoff. In your situation, because it's understood uh, to anyone that if you're working uh, in, in, in the painting industry, you're, you're a painter, you have to work outside tomorrow, it's raining, it's clear, it's understood, it's assumed that the employee is not going to work. So no, in this situation, uh, because someone's not going to come in tomorrow because of the rain, it's not a layoff. You don't owe, owe them any compensation. Uh, it's perfectly acceptable and well within the expectation of both you and your employee. It's weather dependent, right? So, it, absolutely. It's the yeah. nature of the business. Ian in Thornhill. Hi, Ian. Thanks for taking my call. No worries. Uh, just a quick question. I've been with my employer for uh, 23 years. Uh, I'm still employed there. Um, I had to sign a revised employment agreement a number of years back. Everyone did in our organization. Right. I I didn't see consultation from an employment lawyer at the time. I don't have any concerns about um, my job or whether I'll be let go. But should that happen, 
uh, will that dictate then what I'm entitled to, or would I still have the ability to negotiate with some? Good question. An excellent question. So ultimately, it comes down into what's in that document. Now, I, I obviously I haven't seen the documents. It's the first time that we've spoken. But I would bet my house on the fact that in that document, the employer has included a term that addresses termination, addresses severance, uh, and outlines what they have to pay you if they ever lay you off and let you go. And the only reason they would do that is to limit the amount that they have to pay you. So it's quite possible that in that document, you maybe unknowingly agree to limit the amount of severance that you're owed. Now, Mm -hmm. I don't know that because I haven't seen it. What I can tell you, of course, is two things. Number one, that document, if you did not get anything in return for signing it. So uh, this you, is huge. This is huge. So if you simply was asked, were asked to sign it, everyone did, so you signed it, that document is not going to have the legal effect of limiting your severance. It wouldn't be enforceable. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you received something, maybe a signing bonus, a pay increase, a raise, something in return for signing it, it may uh-huh. be enforceable. It may make your life more difficult. But even then, we may still be able to get around it depending on how it's drafted. So uh-huh. the bottom line is this. If you are let go, and hopefully you're not, hopefully this is just an academic discussion, but if you are let go tomorrow, next month, next year, give me a call. At that point, we'll look at the document. Number one, we will Mm -hmm. see whether that document, in fact, does limit your your severance. And Mm -hmm. if it does, we'll figure out if it does bind you, if uh, if you received something in return, or even if you did, is it drafted in a proper way to have that legal effect of limiting the amount of compensation? Uh, most likely we still would be able to get around it, but we obviously would need to know what it says. Ian, did they, uh, did they throw you a bone when you signed the contract? I'm just trying to remember, um, you know, because it was a number of years ago, yep. whether it was in relation to a change in job. Um, I, I don't remember. I would have to go back and look at my files in terms of the date, it? but it, yeah, it definitely did include information regarding severance. Um, and and all- one thing I'll say, Ian, and, and this applies to you and everyone listening to us right now, the only reason, the only reason an employer would include something about severance in a contract is yeah. to limit the amount that they have to pay. It would never be to make it better. For of the course, employee. no so kidding, right? By definition. Yeah. So if, right. you, if you sign a new contract while you're still employed and you see something there about severance, that is a concern because in the future that could end up costing you tens of thousands of dollars or more. So if you're, if you're uh, being asked to sign something now uh, and you're not understanding why there's something there that so- talks about severance, that's bad news. Give me a call. Let me see it. Let me help you understand. And if needed, I can help you negotiate and potentially uh, de- eliminate that provision that's not favorable to you. Especially a 24-year employee. Huge. Ian, the, uh, the number is uh, Ian, 416-216-5900. One, I just got an email uh, from Esther Noshua. I'll ask this question. Good one. My employer has sold the business. I was offered a job by the uh, buyer, but after I tried to negotiate the salary... The buyer pulled the offer off the table. What are her rights? Very, very good question. And, and so let me let me answer that. First of all, if she was offered a job by the buyer, mm-hmm. okay, and accepted the job and continued working, so the business was sold, but she continued working with the buyer, she would not be entitled to any compensation, any severance. She would continue working, and the buyer would assume her seniority. So if at some point the buyer decided to let her go, he would have to account for her previous service. But what happens in a situation where she's got an offer, she's trying to negotiate, most people would want to maybe get uh, talk about salary, vacation, bonus, Get a benefits. few more shekels included there. Absolutely. Be nice, right? Some shekels are nice. I like shekels. <laughs> uh, and the employer says, well, hold on. And when I say the employer, I mean the buyer. We're going to take this offer off the table. Well, at that point, uh, there's no offer. If she doesn't continue working with the buyer, her employment is going to be terminated with the seller, which means the seller owes her severance. Wow. 
Okay. So in this situation, because she didn't reject the offer, the, uh, the buyer decided to take the offer off the table. She's entitled to severance from the company that sold the business based on the usual factors, age, length of employment, and position. And there could be uh, potentially a lot of compensation, a lot of money. So she needs to call me. You are a fountain of information, my friend. I'm a fountain of something. <laughs> it's not chocolate. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll take it for, uh, for one more week off air. Again, the number is 416-216-5900. And anytime, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. This has been the Employment Hour on Talk Radio, AM 640.